ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so now then from today and the next four weeks, we're going to do a short course in the fiqh of Ramadan. Understanding the rulings of Ramadan, how a person fasts, what you're supposed to do, what is allowed, what is not allowed, all of the various details regarding fasting. We'll use a basic book of hadith, Umdatul Ahkam as the basis of our studies for the next five weeks insha'Allah ta'ala with various explanations. As an introduction into that book, an introduction into the issue of fasting, then we need to understand and we need to know that fasting is one of the pillars of Islam. It is a rukn min arkanil Islam. A pillar from the pillars of Islam. And the obligation of fasting is something which is proven in the Qur'an, in the Sunnah, and by agreement of all of the Muslims. Proven by the Qur'an, by the Sunnah, and by agreement of all of the Muslims. As for the Qur'an, then there is the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامِ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبَلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Allah told us in the Qur'an, O oh you who believe, fasting has been prescribed upon you, just as it was prescribed, obligated, Upon those who came before you, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may achieve piety. This ayah tells us, fasting has been obligated on us. It also tells us, that even before this nation of Muhammad wasallam, before this ummah of Muhammad wasallam, previous nations had also fasted previous nations before Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They used to have a command of fasting too, because this ayah tells us, fasting is written upon you, just as it was written upon those who came before you, nations who came before you. So fasting is a beloved act of worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Prescribed upon us and prescribed upon those who came before us. And there is evidence for it also from the sunnah. In the sunnah, as an example, there is a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, بُنِيَ الْإِسْلَامُ عَلَى خَمْسِ This religion is built upon five. Upon five pillars, Shahadati an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad rasulullah, 
وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة وصوم رمضان and حج five things mentioned in the hadith five pillars that Islam is built upon the testification that none has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah that is the basis of the religion then also the prayer then also the zakat and then also the fasting and then also the hajj so that is an evidence from the sunnah that fasting is obligated upon us as for the consensus of the scholars then that exists throughout time fasting is something which is ma'lumun fid din it is known within the religion by necessity this issue of fasting in the month of Ramadan. So the obligation of fasting is something proven in the Qur'an, in the sunnah, and by consensus and agreement of the Muslims. The question then is now, when exactly was fasting first obligated upon the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? When was fasting made obligatory? Anybody? In the second year of the hijrah. Correct. So when the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims were commanded to make the hijrah, to leave Mecca, and they went to Medina, two years after that event, Two years after that migration from Mecca to Medina, the obligation of fasting was prescribed. The obligation of fasting was revealed upon this ummah in the second year after the hijrah. In that case, how many years did the Prophet ﷺ fast? Ramadan. How many Ramadans did the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam do? Eight, 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 nine, eight, nine. Anybody else? Two offers so far. Eight years, nine years. Anyone else? How many years? How many Ramadans? Did the Prophet ﷺ fast? Bearing in mind that it became an obligation in the second year of Hijrah. Nine as well? Salaam wa barakatuh. Might be seven. When did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam pass away in what year? At the beginning of the 11th year of Hijrah. So did he fast Ramadan in the 11th year of Hijri? Never made it. Died before that Ramadan of that year. It was obligated in the second year. So he fasted Ramadan in the second year of Hijrah. Third year of Hijrah, fourth year of Hijrah, fifth year of Hijrah, sixth year of Hijrah, 
Seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. How many Ramadans did the Prophet ﷺ fast? Nine. Nine Ramadans the Prophet ﷺ fasted before passing away. So that is regarding the obligation of Ramadan and when it was obligated. The question next is some more details about the meanings of it. In Arabic, fasting is called Soum. You hear the word Soum and Siyam. Soum and Siyam, these are the words in Arabic we say fasting. What do those words actually mean? Soum, Siyam, in English we say fasting. But what does Soum and Siyam really mean? It means basically to stop yourself from doing something. That's the word Soum in Arabic. To withhold, to refrain from doing something. Stop yourself, hold back from doing something. That is the meaning of the word Soum in Arabic. Somebody who says, tomorrow, all day, I refuse to talk a single word. I'm going to remain silent from Fajr till Isha. Not going to talk to anyone all day. Linguistically in Arabic, you can say this person is doing Soum of talking. He is doing Sayam. He's fasting from talking. Linguistically it's correct. Because linguistically, in language terms, Soum and Sayyam just means to withhold from something. He says, I'm going to withhold from talking all day, not a peep. He is fasting from speech. So in the language, Soum and Sayyam, the word means to withhold from something, to abstain, refrain, to stop yourself from doing something. That's in the language. What about Islamically speaking? Because all the time, words have a meaning in the language, just a language meaning, but then they have a specific Islamic meaning. What is the specific Islamic meaning of the word Soum and Sayyam? The definition is to withhold to withhold, to stop yourself from very specific things with an intention, to withhold from very particular things with an intention from the time of Fajr entering up until the time of the sun setting. Those points. Fasting Islamically is to withhold from particular things. And those things we'll discuss as we go through the course. Food, drink, intercourse, all types of things. To withhold from particular things with an intention. So if somebody prayed Fajr or uh, one day from Fajr all the way till Maghrib, he stays asleep. One day he's asleep all day. 
hasn't eaten anything all day, hasn't drunk anything all day, hasn't engaged in intercourse, none of the things. The things that break your fast, he hasn't done any of them all day. Is he considered to get the reward for fasting that day? No, because he never made any intention for it. He's done it, but he never made any intention to do it. Hence, there is no reward of fasting. Linguistically, has he fasted? Linguistically, he fasted. Didn't do food, drink, nothing. Linguistically, he fasted. Physically, he fasted. But no reward for fasting that day because there was no intention for it. He just didn't get up, just coincidence. No reward for that. You got to have the intention for the worship. So, to withhold from particular things that we're going to discuss as we go along, with an intention from the true Fajr that we've discussed recently, the false dawn when the light comes up vertically, not then, you can carry on eating yet. Then afterwards when it comes out horizontally, that is the Al-Fajr al-Sadiq as they say, the true Fajr, from then up until the Maghrib, the sunset. That is the definition of fasting Islamically. Then, what are the wisdoms behind fasting? The final point in the introduction now, before we get to the hadith, what is the wisdom behind fasting? Allah tells us in the Quran, one of the wisdoms, the wisdom behind fasting, the hikmah. Allah said, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may achieve, you may get taqwa, piety. What is taqwa and piety? What is taqwa? What is piety? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Taqwa. What is the definition of taqwa? You hear the word all the time, taqwa. To have taqwa. What does it mean? What's the definition of taqwa? <coughs> Being mindful of Allah. It's very loose and vague. Anything more specific? Fear of Allah, still a bit vague. Conscious. All of those things you said are correct, but they're loose. To make it more of a precise definition of taqwa, one of the things some of the salaf used to say is, taqwa is of course all of the being conscious and wary and everything, but it is to fulfill the commandments of Allah, what Allah has commanded you to do, to fulfill that, fulfill the obligations upon you. The wajibat upon you. Desiring the reward from Allah. Meaning with the intention. Fulfilling the worship to Allah. Desiring, wanting the reward for, from Allah for that. And staying away from what Allah has prohibited you. Staying away from the things which are haram. Fearing the punishment of Allah. That's taqwa. You do what you've been commanded, desiring the reward of Allah. And that's important. Because if you do what you've been commanded, for some other reason, it won't count. Somebody may go and seek knowledge for the sake of showing off. He wants all of his friends to say, MashaAllah, look how much he knows. So he's only seeking knowledge for the sake of showing off. 
He's doing something which is worship, but he's not doing it desiring the reward of Allah. Taqwa, you do your worship desiring the reward from Allah. Sincerity to Allah. And you stay away from the haram fearing the punishment of Allah. Not staying away from the haram for some other reason. You wanted to drink alcohol, but you had no money so you couldn't buy it. So you stayed away from it. That isn't the reason. You stay away from something fearing the punishment of Allah. When you do all of that, this is taqwa. You're doing what Allah commanded you sincerely for Allah. Staying away from what Allah prohibited you. Fearing the punishment of Allah. This is how you gain taqwa and what taqwa is. Fasting helps you gain that. Fasting helps you to gain taqwa. Helps you to fulfill and become more obedient to Allah. Helps you to push away the shaitan. It mentions in one narration, إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانِ يَجْرِ مِنْ إِبْنِ آدَمْ مَجْرَ الدَّمْ Shaitan flows through you. In the manner that the blood flows through you. In your veins, your arteries. The shaitan flows through you as the blood flows through you. So when you fast, no food, no drink, the flow of the blood in your body becomes restricted. The veins and the arteries start to tighten up, no liquids, no food, no nothing. So the flow of the blood is tightened somewhat, and you feel weak in your body. That tightening makes a tightening upon the shaitan also. Therefore reducing your level of desires, Reducing your level of desires because the impact of the shaitan is now reduced upon you when you're fasting. Gives you a strength to therefore be more obedient because your desires are weakened. If they are weakened, now the other side you have more ability then. Less desires, more focus on worship and ibadah, obedience. Fasting gives you all of that. That's why it is mentioned about the great scholars. In history, throughout history, the great scholars, they have a habit. They all fast outside of Ramadan plentifully. The righteous Muslim fasts throughout the year, not just once a year. Because they know fasting is something which helps you to get taqwa. So you fast throughout the year. Also from the wisdoms of fasting is that you realize how weak you are. You realize how weak a creation you are and how, str- how strong and powerful your creator is. Because one day without food, you could be the strongest man, those strong men... Uh, World's strongest man things they do. You could be the strongest man. Powerful man. You can pick up a car on your back and walk. They do those things. You could be one of those. One day without food. Especially those kind of guys. One day without food, it's all over. One day without food, your body is already weak. One day without liquid. Nowadays, 18, 19 hours we do. By the end of just one day. Already your body is completely gone. All these athletes, 100 meters in 9 seconds and everything. One day without food, tell them to run now at the end. Nowhere near their times. 
one day and your body is already weakened. This highlights to you how weak a creation you are. A day, not even a day, 18 hours, not even a full day. 17, 18 hours without food, without liquid, and all of a sudden your body is depleted already. Shows how weak a creation you are in front of your Lord, the Creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also from the wisdoms of fasting is that a person empathizes with those who have been less blessed than himself. You feel the hunger, you feel the thirst, and so you recognize what some of the people experience on a daily basis every day of their life. Not when they're just fasting, all the time they are in hunger, all the time they are in thirst. So when you experience that hunger and thirst, you then realize and recognize what some of the servants of Allah experience on a regular basis. So that gives you some modesty in of yourself. Recognizing how much Allah has blessed you with. That you experience this hunger and thirst now, but in a couple of hours Maghrib will come and you will eat your feast. You know how much Allah has blessed you then. Because as the scholars they say, you only recognize the blessing of something when you have lost it. The person recognizes the blessing of light when he has been in darkness. Recognizes the blessing of heat when he's been in the frozen cold. Recognizes the blessing of food when he has experienced that hunger and thirst. Whereas somebody who has never experienced hunger doesn't appreciate the value of that food he has. So now you appreciate the value of the blessings you've been given when you are not allowed to partake in those blessings for a certain amount of time, for that amount of days. Gives you a recognition of how much you really have and an appreciation of the blessings you have. So these are all summarized from the blessings of Ramadan, from the blessings and the virtues and the wisdoms behind fasting. And fasting isn't just stop eating and drinking. That is one of the biggest mistakes people make. Everybody thinks about Ramadan coming, the only thing they think about is no food and no drink. Not going to be able to eat all day. That is, you know, the Salaf. The Salaf, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, the Sahaba, the companions, those early generations. They used to say, when it comes to fasting, the last thing that comes to mind, the least thing that comes to mind in fasting is about the food and drink issue. That's minor. You don't eat, you don't drink. They said that's minor when it comes to fasting. The real thing in fasting is whether you as a person can rectify yourself in that month. Not eating, not drinking, they used to say anybody can do that. Somebody could be the worst sinner, fornicator, drinks alcohol, deceives, cheats, laundering, money, all types of things he could do. Physically though, he could just not eat all day and he's fasted. Anybody can do that. 
Anybody can stop food and drink for a few hours and then eat up Maghrib. Anybody. Even the worst, it could be a serial murderer. But then he comes and fasts. You could do it. It's a physical act of worship. You could do that. They used to say that's not the point. Not eating, not drinking, that's minor. The real point is, can you rectify yourself in that month? Can you fix up your character as a Muslim in that month? That's the real thing. Food and drink, anybody can do that. Rectify yourself and make yourself an upright practicing Muslim. Not everybody can do that. People will go into Ramadan, out of Ramadan like it never came. Back to what they used to be before Ramadan, after Ramadan. Drug dealing before Ramadan, back to drug dealing afterwards. Smoking before, back to smoking after. All the sins they did before, all the sins they do after. That's the key in Ramadan, not the food and the drink. So that is a brief introduction into Ramadan and fasting. So now then we'll look at some hadith about Ramadan. Hadith in the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam where he discussed certain issues about Ramadan. The first hadith in this particular book, Umdatul Ahkam, Kitabul Sayyam, is the hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu. Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu, he narrates in one particular narration that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, لا تقدموا صوم رمضان أو لا تقدموا رمضان بصوم يوم أو يومين إلا رجل كان يصوم صوما فليصوم لا تقدموا رمضان بصيام يوم أو يومين إلا رجل كان يصوم صوما فليصوم متفق عليه حديث أبو هريرة where the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said do not precede Ramadan by adding an extra day or two into it. Meaning, like this year for example, Ramadan is going to start on a Saturday or a Sunday looks like. It's going to be a Saturday or a Sunday. The last Saturday or Sunday of May is going to be Ramadan. Somebody may say then in that case, the last Thursday of May, couple of days before the expected time of Ramadan, I'm going to start fasting. I'm going to start on the Thursday. It's expected for the Saturday or the Sunday. I'm going to start on Thursday. Get the Thursday in, get the Friday in, and then Saturday probably Ramadan starting or at the latest Sunday. So I'll get those two or three extra days in. They'll be continuously attached onto the beginning of Ramadan seamlessly. So the barakah of Ramadan, I'll add these couple of days on at the beginning, get into it from a couple of days early. Barakah of Ramadan. Let me start a couple of days into it. The sunnah says you don't do that. The sunnah says you don't do that. You don't have this type of intention. Let me get the barakah of Ramadan. Let me start a couple of days early into it. Let me begin on the Thursday. Get two more days. It will be 32 days in the end I do. Barakah. 30 days of Ramadan. Two extra for barakah. The hadith says don't do that. You don't add on these extra days. When Ramadan begins... You begin, not adding on a day or two in addition prior to Ramadan beginning. The only exception to that is what? A person, it says in the narration, إِلَّا رَجُلٌ يَسُومُ صَوْمًا فَلْيَسُمْ 
except a person who regularly fasts that, then he can fast. A person who regularly fasts, then he can fast. So meaning, if Ramadan ended up on a Friday, it ended up starting on a Friday, and a person usually fasts on Mondays and Thursdays, Sunnah. So now Ramadan ends up beginning on a Friday, and this person wants to fast his Thursday the day before. Is he allowed or not? He is allowed, because he would have fasted that Thursday anyway, even if Ramadan started on Friday or not. He was going to fast Thursday anyway. It's his habit to do Thursday anyway. He can do it. But somebody who never does that, but now he says, okay, Ramadan, Friday, Barakah, let me do this Thursday this time. Barakah of Ramadan, everything. Now that's not allowed. You don't do it like that. There's no extra Barakah like this. You think these things, that isn't Sunnah like that. So you don't add on that extra day unless it's your habit to do those days, in which case you can do it as per habit. That is the first thing. The second hadith, hadith of Ibn Umar, radiyallahu anhumah, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِذَا رَأَيْتُمُوهُ فَسُومُوا وَإِذَا رَأَيْتُمُوهُ فَأَفْتِرُوا This hadith is telling us about how we work out when Ramadan begins. How we work out when Ramadan begins. إِذَا رَأَيْتُمُوهُ فَسُومُوا The Prophet ﷺ said, When you see it, meaning the new moon, then start fasting. وَإِذَا رَأَيْتُمُوهُ فَأَفْتِرُوا And when you see the new moon again, then open your fast, meaning do the day of Eid. فَإِنْ غُمَّ عَلَيْكُمْ And if the vision of the moon is blocked from you, you go and try and see where the new moon is, but there's cloud, there's fog, and you can't see. فَقْدُرُوا لَهُ Hadith says, مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ Bukhari Muslim Then estimate it. This hadith now is going to talk about how you work out the month of Ramadan. There are two ways, only two ways to work out when Ramadan starts. Hadith says, إِذَا رَأَيْتُمُوهُ If you see it, i.e. the new moon. So on the 29th of Sha'ban, the month we're in now, on the 29th day, that night, that evening, the Muslims will go out across the world to try and spot the new moon. If it is spotted on the 29th day of this month, because Islamically a month can only be 29 or 30 days. There's no 31 days, 29 or 30. So on the 29th day, the Muslims go out looking for the moon and they spot it. They see the new moon. In that case, Sha'ban is going to stop at just 29 days. And the next day will not be the 30th of Sha'ban. The moon's been spotted. It will be 
first of Ramadan. Simple. That's done. If they go out on the 29th of Sha'ban, searching, clear skies everywhere, searching, but nobody sees a thing. No sighting anywhere. In that case, the next day is 30th of Sha'ban, because the moon has not been sighted, and then the day after will be Ramadan. Simple again. The only issue is, if the Muslims go out on the 29th day, searching for the moon, but the 29th day, that night when they go out, it's raining, it's fog, it's mist, clouds. They look into the sky and they can't see a thing. Clouds everywhere, rain everywhere, fog everywhere. So they're looking and they're looking and they're looking and nobody can tell. They don't know, they can't see. Is the moon out there behind the clouds or is it not? They can't tell. Now what are you going to do? The moon, could it have been there? Could have been there. Behind the clouds and the fog and the mist, the moon could have been there. Could it have not been there? That too. Maybe it wasn't there. All the clouds and everything, maybe it was irrelevant. Maybe the moon wasn't there anyway. But maybe it was there behind the clouds and the fog. Nobody could tell. In this scenario, what are you going to do the next day? Are you going to say, well, it wasn't a clear night. Fog, clouds, they were preventing us from getting a proper vision of things. There is a possibility that the moon, the new moon was out tonight. But there was just no way for any of us to see it because of the clouds and everything. So in that case, maybe just to be safe, just to be safe, we should consider tomorrow as, huh? to be safe. Just in case the moon was out there, let's make tomorrow. If you want to be safe, what are you going to make tomorrow? The first of Ramadan? If you say to yourself, well, it was clouds everywhere we couldn't see. Let's just be safe. Imagine the moon was there. Let's be safe and just make tomorrow the first of Ramadan. Because if the moon was out there, and you end up making tomorrow 30th of Sha'ban, you're missing a day of Ramadan. So maybe they will say, let's be safe. Let's just make tomorrow the first of Ramadan. That's one possible option. The alternative option is to say, well, look, we didn't see it. So what if there were clouds there? We didn't see it. The hadith here just said, if you see it, start fasting. They say, but we didn't see it. Cloud cover or not, regardless. Point is, we didn't see it. So tomorrow, we can't start Ramadan yet. We got to make it 30th Sha'ban, and we'll have to start the day after, because the wording of the Prophet ﷺ is, if you see it, start fasting. They say, we didn't see it. Okay, it was cloud cover, fog, but point is we didn't see it. So we're not going to stop. We're going to make tomorrow 30th Sha'ban. Which group is correct? The ones who say, but okay, let's be safe. Just in case it was there, let's start tomorrow. Others say, no. Cloud cover or not, point is we didn't see it. So we're not going to stop. Which is right. Let's have the classic show of hands.
Who's going to start fasting tomorrow? Today you all went out there, clouds everywhere, nobody saw a thing. Who's going to start fasting tomorrow? Let's be safe. One, two people down there want to be safe. Three, four, five, it's getting more. Six, six people. Only six people are going to be safe. So you're on the other side. You're going to make a Sha'aban. Who's going to make a Sha'aban still? You're not going to fast. The majority. The Jumhur. The Jumhur of the scholars. The majority of the scholars. The opinion of the majority of the scholars is in that situation, the next day, you leave it as the 30th of Sha'ban. You don't give the argument, well, let's be safe and just make it the first of Ramadan. Because the evidences, they all indicate that you leave it as the 30th of Sha'ban. This hadith is one evidence because it says very clearly, If you see it, then start fasting. It doesn't tell you reasonings as to why you might not see it. Fog, mist, clouds, no problem, whatever the reason is. <coughs> so according to that narration, they could argue and say, well, we didn't see it. Regardless of why we didn't see it, clouds, whatever, we didn't see it. Therefore, we cannot begin yet. Fair enough. At the end of the hadith, it did say, in عَلَيْكُمْ If it's covered up, clouds, fog, mist, فَقْدُرُوا لَهُ Estimate. How do you estimate? What does the hadith mean? If you go out and it's all covered up and you can't see, estimate. What does estimating mean? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Guess. Guess, but how? What? What do you do? Uh-huh. There are other hadith in Bukhari, in Muslim, that explain what this estimating is. In another hadith, uh, these narrations are in Bukhari and Muslim. It mentions, If it's covered up and you can't see, then estimate it as 30. In the hadith it says it. Estimate it as 30. In another one it says, فَأَكْمِلُ عِدَّةَ شَعْبَانَ ثَلَاثِينَ Complete the days of Sha'ban as 30. So those narrations make it obvious now. Now everybody will say one opinion, because now it's obvious. The narrations all say, if it's covered up, you can't see what's happening, then estimate the month. How do you estimate? The other narrations tell you, Estimate it as 30 days. If you wanted even more clarity, there's a narration that says, Estimate Sha'ban as 30 days. So simple again. You go out on the 29th, clouds, mist, fog, you can't see nothing. Hadith are telling you in Bukhari, in Muslim, Estimate Sha'ban, guess the next day to be Sha'ban, 30 days. Then start Ramadan the day after. There is a hadith too. One second. There is a hadith as well. Ammar uh, ibn Yasir. Radiyallahu anhu. Mentions in that narration. Man sama. Al-yawma al-lazhi yushakku fihi. Faqad asa abal qasim. Whomsoever fasts on the day of doubt. 
What's the day of doubt? The 30th of Sha'ban. If you go out on the 29th and it's all covered up and you can't see, now you're in doubt. Was the moon there or not? 30th of Sha'ban is the day of doubt. That narration says anybody who fasts on the 30th of Sha'ban, on the day of doubt, has disobeyed the Prophet ﷺ. The day of doubt, when you go out on the 29th and you can't tell. If you go out on the 29th and it's a clear night and nobody sees it, is the next day the day of doubt? No, because it was a clear night and the moon wasn't there. Now there's no doubt. You're certain the moon wasn't there. Clear night, you couldn't see it anywhere. The day of doubt only arises if on the 29th you go out and it's mist and fog and you can't see anything. The strong opinion therefore is, you don't fast that day. The narrations are telling you, leave it as 30 days of Sha'ban. And then start as Ramadan after that. So, so far, we've mentioned two ways of being able to work out when Ramadan starts. One is going out on the 29th, clear night, you see the moon. Clearly sighting the moon, end of story, you start fasting. You go out on the 29th, clear, nobody sees the moon. Again, you're definitely sure the moon's not there now. No issue again, done and dusted, no fasting next day, wait 30. The issue is on the 29th you go out and it's murky, it's foggy and you can't tell so now you got the day of doubt. In that case, Islamically the ruling is finish 30 days and then start. So two ways to start Ramadan. Either by sighting the moon, that's one way, or by completing 30 days of Sha'aban, that's the other way. Two ways that are proven in the Sunnah. This third method that some people use these days. The calculations. You log on to Google on the 29th of Sha'ban and you type in, is the moon out tonight? Is the new moon there today? You type into Google, is the new moon there on the 29th of Sha'ban? And the results will come. The results will come. And they'll start telling you, the new moon came out at this longitude, at this latitude, 4.7 uh, seconds, 60 seconds, 39 seconds over this country. Or they show you maps where the moon could be seen, where it can't be seen. All the scientific details. Can you use those scientific details and base your conclusion upon them when to start Ramadan? That's the question. No, Alright. There are some narrations that will help us to understand the issue of calculations. There is a hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar, radiyallahu anhuma. He said, Tara nasul hilal. The people went out. Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiyallahu anhuma. He says, one night the people went out, 29th of Sha'ban, looking for the moon. فَأَخْبَرْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم أَنِّي رَأَيْتُ Abdullah ibn Umar, he was the one who ended up seeing it. So he says in the hadith, I came and told the Prophet ﷺ, I saw it. فَصَامْ وَأَمَرَ النَّاسَ بِصَيَامِهِ So the Prophet ﷺ fasted and declared upon the people, fasting has begun. There it began by the testimony of the sighting of the moon by Abdullah ibn Umar. There's another hadith, Abdullah ibn Abbas. رضي الله عنهما. 
He says, جَاءَ أَعْرَابِيٌ إِلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَقَالْ إِنِّي رَأَيْتُ الْهِلَالِ A Bedouin came to the Prophet ﷺ and said to him, I have seen the new moon. The Prophet didn't know who this Bedouin was. So he wanted to make sure he's Muslim. Because the testimony can only be taken from a Muslim. He said to him, أَتَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Do you testify to the Shahada? The man said, نَعَمْ Yes. Then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, أَتَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Do you testify Muhammad is the messenger of Allah? قَالَ نَعَمْ He said, yes. Then the Prophet ﷺ, now that he's worked out he's Muslim, said to Bilal, Ya Bilal, أَذِّن فِي النَّاسِ أَنْ يَسُومُوا غَدًا Go and announce to the people they can start fasting tomorrow. Tomorrow they start. So now these two hadith tell us what? The sighting of the moon, you begin Ramadan based upon it. If you have that information from a... Muslim witness. How do we know it's got to be a Muslim witness? Abdullah ibn Umar, obviously, that's obvious. Muslim. But the second hadith, when that Bedouin came, Bedouins who used to live outside of Medina. They never used to live in Medina with the Prophet They were like farmers and things. They used to live out in the countryside. So one of them ended up seeing the moon one night out in the countryside somewhere. He came into Medina, came to the Prophet told him, I've seen the moon out there. The Prophet didn't know who this man was. So firstly, he wanted to work out, because to be able to work out whether this testimony can be accepted, need to know, is this man a Muslim or not? So the Prophet ﷺ asked him, do you testify to the shahada? And to the uh, second shahada too, Muhammad Rasulullah. Do you testify to them both? He said, yes, yes. So now the Prophet ﷺ knew he is Muslim. Then he accepted his testimony and said to Bilal, go and announce to the people. So we know the testimony must come from a Muslim. A kafir, doesn't matter if he comes to you and he says, I own a satellite in space. My satellite took pictures, there was no moon today. My satellite did this and my telescope did this. Kafir testimony isn't taken for the beginning of Ramadan. That's in the sunnah. If a kafir testimony could be taken, the Prophet wouldn't have bothered asking the man if you bear testimony to Islam. He would have just said, you saw the moon, okay. He asked him, are you Muslim or not? So this indicates to us that it's got to be a Muslim witness. One is enough, male or female. One woman Muslim is okay too. That's one of the reasons, and there are other reasons too, why calculations are not an Islamic source of knowledge. Calculations are not an Islamic source of knowledge for Ramadan. Imagine now, imagine, the calculations tell you that on the 29th of Sha'ban, it's impossible. The moon cannot be sighted. They show you all the maps and how the moon comes out and they say it's impossible. The way the sun's going to be and the moon's going to be and the overlap of the time, you're not going to be able to see the moon on the 29th. All of a sudden, four, five, six countries on the 29th start declaring witness sightings of the moon. What are you going to do? You're going to say all of those Muslim countries, three, four, five of them, all of them liars. Look at the Google telling you the moon can't be seen tonight. This is what Muslims say. Muslims do this every year. They say they're all lying. Saudi Arabia is lying. Kuwait is lying. Jordan is lying. Emirates, Indonesia, Philippines, they're all liars. All of them. Look at the Google. It's telling you the moon cannot be sighted today anywhere in the world. How have they got sightings? Liars, all of them. Can we do that? Is that what the Sunnah taught us? Is that what the Prophet taught us? 
Doesn't matter what your calculations tell you, they are predictions. They are predictions. It is not something which they don't have knowledge of the unseen. Calculations, estimations, they are estimations and predictions. They all tell you on the 29th, moon cannot be seen. Ten different Muslim countries say we got sightings. Khalas, throw the calculations in the bin. We're going to start fasting. Same the opposite as well. The calculations tell you the moon's going to be out there tonight. It's going to be there. Calculations show you in 20 different countries of the world, in all of these parts, they will be able to see the moon tonight. But all of those countries come back at the end of the night and say, we didn't get any sighting anywhere. So what are you going to do now? You're going to say, look, Google is telling us the moon was there for full five minutes in this area of the world. But all the Muslim countries are saying we didn't get any sightings. So what are you going to do? You cannot start fasting based upon the calculation. No Muslim has sighted the moon, no witness anywhere, no testimony anywhere. Then you can't use the calculation. You can't say, but the, the telescope said it saw it. The telescope said it saw it. You can't do that. The hadith of the Prophet says, if you see it, then fast. Even if the calculation ended up right, the moon was there that night. But if nobody saw it, the Islamic ruling is, you don't fast. That's the ruling, simple. You see it, fast. You don't see it, 30 days of Sha'ban. The calculations thing can't override that. On the 29th night as well, it's all covered up, you don't know. Covered up with fog, mist, everything you don't know. You don't say, well, okay, let's have a look at the calculation. The calculation is saying, the moon should have been out tonight. Calculation is saying, the moon should have been there for two and a half minutes. We couldn't tell, fog, mist, clouds, we couldn't tell, but the calculation is saying it was there for two and a half minutes. So, forget about, let's make it 30 days of Sha'ban. We couldn't see, but the calculation is telling us it was there. So let's start. Wrong. That's wrong. Even if the calculation is telling you it should have been there, nobody saw it, no witness testimony occurred, you cannot take the calculation. You can't say the calculation said it was there, if none of the Muslims saw it, even if it's because of the cloud cover. The sunnah is simple. If the Muslims followed it, you wouldn't have any problems every year. Simple. If you see it, start fasting. If you don't see it, do 30 days, then start fasting. If all the Muslims in the world did that every year, there wouldn't be problems. Why are there problems? Because everybody's got Google now. Now everybody, no, but like every year they say it. They say, oh, like for example, they say, uh, you people, or like Saudi Arabia and whatever. If Saudi Arabia announces 29th is Ramadan, for example. Some people who don't like Saudi Arabia, they don't like the countries, they don't like Jordan, they don't like whoever. They say, no, they're all liars. Liars. Nobody saw the moon today. Look, I'll show you. Google, moon sighting, impossible tonight. They're all liars. Google is telling you, the Met Office, the astronomy, astrology, all those scientists, telescopes, moon cannot be sighted tonight. How, where have they got their sight? They're liars. That's what they start saying every year. That's where the problems occur. Because they are now relying on a source, which the Quran and the Sunnah has not taught us. Somebody might say, but that's because in those days they didn't have calculations. In those days, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, it was just about seeing it, fast, can't see it, 30 days. They didn't have calculations. Now we got calculations, so let's use it. What if somebody says that? You can tell them, 1400 years ago, 
they used to have, it's in the books of history, they used to have experts with lunar movement. They could make calculations in those days. Some scholars say even better than today. Forget about telescopes and all this. They used to have professionals and experts Knowledge about the moon and how it starts and the crescent and how it goes bigger, where it comes in the sky, all the details. They used to have people like that in those days. They used to be able to do it. Yet the Prophet ﷺ never said to anybody on the 29th, if you get confused, go get some of those experts and ask them what's the ruling on tonight. Ask them what, what, what's going on tonight. You know about the moon and everything. Tonight was it supposed to come out or not? They had experts in those days who knew about lunar movement. And they could make predictions in those days. They could make accurate predictions, reasonably accurate predictions. Yet the Prophet ﷺ never used those predictions. Never said to those people, your predictions will come into play if it's covered up and we can't see. So the fact that the Prophet ﷺ would not use people who had expertise in predictions and calculations in those days means we can't use predictions and calculations in our days. It's not about the telescope and the scientist telling you. The sunnah, the hadith tells you, the Muslim witness and testimony is how Ramadan begins. Doesn't begin on calculations. Doesn't begin on the telescope telling you and the scientist telling you. The religion is simple. Sighting of the moon, start. No sighting of the moon, 30 days then start. Simple as that, don't need to get yourself into any other bother. So calculations are not an Islamic source to begin Ramadan. If you start doing that, then you're putting a heavy responsibility on yourself. If Muslims across the world testify on the 29th, they've seen the moon. You check Google, it says the moon wasn't out tonight, so you don't fast. On the day of judgment, you're going to have to answer as to why you declared all of those Muslims as liars and you didn't fast. The opposite as well. Google says the moon is out. No Muslim saw it. You're going to start fasting. You're going to have to answer on the day of judgment. The hadith said, when you see it, start fasting. You didn't even see it. The scientists and the telescopes and the calculations told you it was just there. Did you see it? No, we didn't. Did anybody see it? No, we didn't. But the scientists told us it was there. That's how you're going to do your worship? Based upon scientists telling you it's there, even if you don't see it. The sunnah says, see it. If you don't see it, 30 days. Simple. That is how it is done. So calculations are not something we use. Calculations have caused problems for the Muslims. One day starting, one day not starting. So that is not a source of knowledge for Ramadan beginning. Any other questions on that so far? That is the section we're going to conclude in today. The section regarding the introduction to Ramadan and about not starting an extra day or two in advance for Barakah, etc. Except if you normally do that, fast for that day. And about how we work out when Ramadan begins. Either by the moon sighting or by the completion of 30 days, there is no other way. Any questions on that so far? Yeah, so this one about local moon sighting or world moon sighting. There are two opinions of the scholars. Some scholars, they say, any Muslim witness sights the moon in the world, you can all do Ramadan. Next day you can start. The sightings all the way down in Australia, in Indonesia, anywhere, you can start here as well. That is an opinion of the scholars. And that's what a lot of Muslims do. Normally when the official announcement comes from the Muslim countries, uh, whoever, Saudi, these different Muslim countries, they make the announcement, all the America, England, Europe, they all start fasting mostly. That's okay, it's allowed, that's good. 
The other opinion is, some scholars they say, you can work out or do your Ramadan based upon the sighting in your part of the world. That is an opinion of some scholars. So you could say, I'm not gonna, if, if they see it in Indonesia, that's not me. I'm going to wait from my area of the world down here, the Muslim countries around here. If somebody sees it, I'm going to base it on that. That's an opinion. But you should take into consideration the country you live in. If all of the UK, the majority and everybody, the Muslims, your community, they're just doing it. When the official announcement starts in Saudi or wherever they start, you shouldn't come along and say, no, me by myself, I'm going to wait for Morocco. And all of Leeds is doing it one day, your family, your community, you're going to do it a different day. Take into consideration what's going on. So when an announcement is made, you can start. Everybody can start. That one announcement is legitimate for all of the Muslims to begin. Hmm. Well, you say that you can't use calculations and things like that. But what do you say to those people who say, well, you use timetables for predictions and estimations? And That's okay. Timetables for prayers are just predictions and estimations. Nobody's telling you that is exactly it. Says on the, on, on the timetable, Dhuhr starts at 1.42. Nobody's telling you that is absolutely definitive. That is an estimation, gives you a guideline. Don't start praying at uh, 12.30. You've got a guideline, it's there or thereabouts at 1.40, for example. They're guidelines, timetables are guidelines. Nobody's telling you that they are definitive. They are predictions and they are estimations. Nobody has said otherwise. So, there's no argument to be made. Those timetables are estimations to give you a guideline for your prayers. That's all it is. Alright, we'll leave it there for tonight then. Carry on next week, inshallah, at approximately the same time, 7.30pm, with the next section which is about your intention. Can you make intention once at the beginning of Ramadan, for all of Ramadan, or do you have to make intention every night for the next day? Uh, Also, some rulings about the suhoor, about the iftar, how you do that, what the sunnah is, various things like that. We'll carry on with that from next week, inshaAllah ta'ala. We'll conclude there for today.